The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend Editions here at Tale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal in this morning. Hope everyone's doing all right. What a whirlwind week it has been. And uh, lots of recruiting to get into. We can talk the Husker 8 and Nebraska's lawsuit and the Big Ten's uh, decision to maybe walk back some of their thoughts about a Start date in uh, in, the, in the new year, and maybe it's a November reality. You can join us this morning. Dial us up at 466-3776-4667-7-6-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. Mark Cranach at Mark Skurs, Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence. You can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Real quick, a heartfelt thank you, thank you, thank you to all the folks that showed up. And we had a great time out at Wilderness Ridge yesterday. Happy hour with Hale Varsity. It's kind of an annual event we do out on the deck at Wilderness Ridge. Phenomenal golf course facility. Big mm-hmm. props to Shuey for uh, sitting in. And uh, man, it was it was just fun. It was a little warm. I missed it. I missed I know. it. I was supposed to be there with you, man. But I had you know the boy. Yeah, dad duty, had, brother. Uh, yeah, dad duty. Yeah, dad duty. It was all yeah. good. No, I love you. It's okay. Uh, Shuey was fantastic. No worries at all. <laughs> Clausberg made an appearance. <laughs> That's always good. And then he went off the top rope with a steel chair on on uh, kids who transfer to Oregon State. So. <laughs> Okay. When it comes, okay, that, it's 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 not too uh, it's not too late to do that. Well, I'm I'm saying you know when it comes to the mitocarditis, uh-huh. he, he thought everybody that that you know had heart issues already transferred. So, uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so remember no, when rhabdo was the concern, right? And God. that's just from working out too much and. My, how times have changed. I love how you started, by the way, this show and this uh, segment with what a whirlwind, because I think you've said something to that effect for about 80 straight Saturdays. Well, you know, and I need to change up my vocabulary, but I get your point. It's it's not that. I'm not saying you're doing a poor job of choosing the right words. I'm just saying, can we have a freaking normal week? No, is the answer. It's so hard. This is the normal week. This would be the normal week. This would be game week. Yes. That'd be so awesome. This would be Purdue Uh coming up in a week. Under the lights. Sands Rondale Moore, which you go ahead and give Nebraska an extra three and a half points for that. I'm thinking more t- like 10, but yeah. I mean, maybe, right? <laughs> him up to see him, him on a punt return, good night now, right? Yeah. It's, so, you wouldn't have to worry about that. But guess what? We don't have to worry about that either. Unfortunately. Because there's no game. What do you think of this November deal? And I know it's we were talking to Parker Gabriel yesterday. and I'm exhausted by it. No, I I hear you. Or I think we're all exhausted. I just with me. Yeah, I just don't like this. 
even though it's moving football up and it's a traditional holiday weekend that we're all super familiar with as Nebraska folks, you know, as we as we grew up, it was <laughs> it was Oklahoma or Colorado. But I I just don't like doing that. If you're going to move things up and deem November potentially safe with the presidents and chancellors still having to vote, and we'll get into that in a minute with Commissioner Warren and the Husker 8 lawsuit. If you're going to do this, do it right and see how early you can play so you can be part of the regular college football season that the other power three the other power five leagues are doing the three if you're going to do it no if you're going to do it get going in october reach out to the leagues you've pissed off because you had to be first and try and call your shots right i mean you had a, a conference call with all of the power five commissioners in the summertime and we've had people highlight this uh, brad uh, edwards we've had lars anderson and the Big Ten jumped out in front with this conference-only schedule. Pretty smart. I, I get it. I'm not knocking that, but there was no communication at all between the Big Ten and oh, the rest of the power. A recurring theme right. for communication. Right. We're going to be first and we're going to be best. And so you can't really crawl back to the SEC. But what you could do is say, listen, I know it's pretty rampant with COVID on campus. Uh, you've got some places that are just going fanless. And that's not a new idea, but it's kind of a new reality with with North Carolina and and Miami's going to allow people, but not students. I mean, so it's still a mess in some of the conferences. Notre Dame said, you know what, we're going to we're going to suck it up and go back to in-person learning. The only reason they're doing that is to stick with their earlier narrative that says if there's no kids, there's no football. So or maybe they they think the, the numbers will will decrease and kids will be smarter about partying and whatnot but i look at this and say work together and let's let's pick a start date if that means september 26th because the sec is not going to budge if you're going to revisit it let's revisit it so it's still not just choppy okay and and starting starting on thanksgiving will give you some early tv views probably because you'll set your schedule back up for you know, some who's who games, I would think. Just figure out a way to go a little earlier if you're thinking about resetting things anyway so you can get your conference title game played and you can get you can, you can you've got a participant in Ohio State for the college football playoff. Don't screw them out of that, even though you're thinking about, eh, let's, let's remeasure. Why do you think they're revisiting this, Cranach? I mean, is it just, it's more than the lawsuit, but there's been just a, a barrage of pressure, uh, not 80 straight weeks, but we're, we're, we're working on a month here by some sort of force against the commissioner of the Big Ten. And I, I credit those that have not wanted to take no for an answer. I, well, I think there's a couple of things there. I think, I think one, there was the expectation that when the Big Ten made this announcement, which how long ago was it now? It's um, days are just completely the 11th blending together. The 11th. It was the 11th. And so today we're at the 29th. So 18 days ago. Right. Yep. Um, so I think one, I think they expected other leagues to follow suit in some capacity. By now they would have folded. And it has not happened. Right. Doesn't mean it won't, but it has not happened. And I think as that's become clearer and as you've seen Oklahoma's in camp and 
all kinds of other teams. They're in camp, man. They're practicing. They're ready to roll. They're, they're going to go. They're going to do this. As of now, things could always change. I, I say, so I think that one, as that has become more clear, they're sort of like, ooh, we don't want to be the only one. What? And then uh-huh. you have, on top of that, all the public pressure from member institutions, from players who now have a much lo- louder voice. And then also the realization and the thought that, look, is are, are you going to get COVID because of football? It no. doesn't seem like it, right? Like, Look, it's possible. You absolutely can contract the virus while playing football against somebody else that has it. That can happen. But there, high schools are playing across the country. High schools are playing across the state. That's definitely happening. So are you going to get it because football is in session? Or are you going to get it because you're just going to get it and football happens to be... So you you combine all that plus all the public pressure plus the bungling of the initial announcement and the very arbitrary, very arbitrary. We're shutting it down and we'll we'll play uh, in the winter in January. Like, why? Why? Why then? What's different then? And and you cannot get away from the the idea of it's they they have not come up with a good explanation for at all. Still, 18 days later. There is no good explanation for why they selected the time period that they selected, which is January, and why you couldn't do it in, say, October or late September. At least give it a shot. Does, put it this way. Does, does anybody expect that the season, regardless, is just going to go off without a hitch? No. No. No one's expecting that. Like, look at Major League Baseball right now. It was like the Cardinals that have missed like 100,000 games or whatever, right? Like, it happens. I think we expect that that is a very real possibility, and you deal with it as it happens in sort of a real-time situation. But, man, as you're seeing high school teams take the field, as you're seeing the SEC, Big 12, ACC, despite coronavirus outbreaks on the campus, still giving it a go, Reserving the right to cancel a game or two or to shut it down at any point if an outbreak occurs, <laughs> like there is no there there is yet to be one good explanation for why you would not do that. The, what, what is it like? What have you heard anything? I have a good explanation for why you would not give it a shot. Eighteen days later, they still can't come up with one. What what are the what are the parameters? What are what's the environment like in say January, which is what they're kicking around? They're kicking around a November start date and a January start date. What is different then? Does myocarditis disappear? Well, I think what I think no is the answer. I think what's different is this this funding, this approval of rapid testing. $750 $750 million, $150 million uh, swabs, okay, that will give you COVID results in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that, that is different now than, than 18 days ago, even though they were talking about it 18 days ago. <laughs> and, 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 well, and that may, that may, or may well be true, but that was, that, was, not... that, was, that was still on the radar 18 it, days ago. But it wasn't that wasn't the key reason why they pulled it. They 
at no point did they make it clear did Kevin Warren and company make it clear no. that hey we're not doing this because rapid testing's not available so what do you do they never said that it, it may be part of their reasoning but it wasn't communicated or laid out no and look I I don't appreciate the way Kevin Warren is rolling, specifically his communication. Right. But we do need to make it clear. I think he gets the brunt of the criticism when he exists at the pleasure of the, it's called the COP, the chancellors and the president's council. Yeah. It's the, it's the pre- POC. What do they call it? Oh, there's some sort of abbreviation. Council for of it. presidents and chancellors. COPC, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Council, council of, of presidents and chancellors. Um, that, that is the governing body, right? And they, they set the direction and basically tell Kevin Warren what to do. Now he does operations, Mm -hmm. but it's on them, right? It's, it's absolute. That was not Kevin Warren's decision. It's also on Kevin Warren to not have 12 different meetings or however many there were and, and try and relate how each group is feeling you have this you have this competition committee that's been that's been created and that's moose and frost and a bunch of other folks that include presidents that include chancellors that include medical experts they're all on a zoom together communicating look i I'm not trying to give the guy. No, no you're, you're not defending him. You're just laying out his job and the, the challenges of it, which are immense. I, and, I I get that. But he he went down this road of isolation from the get go with the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 and the Pac-12, where he went rogue saying this is what the Big Ten's doing. We're not going to work together. I'm going to do what's best for us or at least give myself the biggest kind of bump here there's a lot of ego with this man and yes health and safety is a part of this liability is a part of this but when push comes to shove the big 10 wanted to be the big dog and call the shots that is as much a part of it not as much but it was it was it was a factor and that's my biggest problem is is how they've handled this and why they've gone about it this way and how they can't give you a freaking straight answer. And now it's up to eight Husker players to go forward with a beautiful lawsuit. (laughs) And and you want to talk about freaking out. What if you uh, and Vince Powers laid this out just awesome this week for us? What happens if if things go the wrong way against the Big Ten when it comes to 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 ruling and, and a judge? here in Nebraska, and you got the commissioner under oath in a Nebraska courtroom. Huh. I, I I think that's very unlikely <laughs> that it well, would happen. It, but maybe it, it was, it, you know, it, who knows? I mean, it's already kind of gone further than we thought, right? I mean, did you think a lawsuit would actually come forth? Did you think the Big Ten would actually respond? All of that's happened, okay? No, it's so, true. So... Yeah. Does things get punted out because of the Big Ten's response? The Big Ten's response has been pretty short and sweet. We're the Big Ten. You can't tell us what to do. We don't uh, adhere to any anybody when it comes to open records requests, and that's that's not accurate because of the public universities associated with the Big Ten. Yeah, you may be able to, if you're Northwestern, you may be able to opt out. That's the only one because they're yeah. private. Everybody else is public, so... Yeah, there, there, there could be legs there. Who, who knows? And it might be Nebraska that's just kind of 
prompting something that could be much larger. Uh, look, but my, my point about the Big Ten versus Kevin, I, I just think Kevin Warren gets way too much wrath. He deserves some. But the, but the Council of Presidents and Chancellors, look, this the, a decision of this magnitude does not happen if it's just in Kevin Warren's brain alone. <laughs> right. It's not it's not like this dude's like, hey, I'm just going to I'm just going to pull the plug. He, he's a, he's a lobbyist, though. He's supposed to be a lobbyist for the for the coaches and athletic directors as well. All right. Well, and it, well, he's he's the liaison. He's between their interests and then the interests of the. Council of Presidents and Chancellors. That's why you're getting that's, five million a year. That's who signs his check. That's who hires him. They voted to hire Kevin Warren. They voted to retain Delaney back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like that's right. Like that's his. Those are his bosses. That's the board. You know, he he doesn't have a job without them, and he doesn't make a decision of this consequence of this magnitude without them fully on board, <laughs> right? Or at least a majority of them, or enough of them. Again, I guess that's part of the lawsuit is how many were in favor of this? How many were not? Why can't you tell us? Where's the vote? It's a it's an absolutely ridiculous situation. And it also made me think about what about all the bowl ties, too? You wonder if they're getting some back end pressure from that, too. Well, what, what are, are their, their, what are their TV partners? Revenue? There's conference tie ins. Yeah, this jeopardizes all of that. What what are the TV partners saying about January going up against the NFL? What are they saying about January going up against uh, the college football playoff? Well, and right. you've got these top tier platforms, ABC, ESPN, Fox, that are going to be kind of busy in January, specifically January 1st, with your college football playoff and your national title game. No, I know you, you do not want to go head to head for that for some meaningless Rutgers Michigan State crap. I mean, it's just idiotic. So, so go earlier. But even even like jumping in in November isn't good enough for me. If you're going to revisit this, revisit this thing for October, or piss off and let's talk in 2021. Yeah, or you got a month. I'm with you. It was September 30th, right? And just it, come on. It, it, the the timing of just launching in and around Thanksgiving is absurd. Now, complicating things, of course, is today's political environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Heating this thing up is today's political environment. And Joe Biden for America. I don't know if you saw the. Oh, ad I saw the ad, and you've okay. you've had a lot of folks react uh, very negative. I mean, it, 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 it's a it's a punch in the junk ad because you got all these empty stadiums and the fact where it was targeted. I mean, we're talking it was targeted at battleground states and it was targeted pretty heavily within the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that aren't playing. Then there was a blame. Sure. It was a blame game. The guy in the office now per the ad is the reason here's COVID and look what he did to you. He, yeah, he got football canceled. Yeah, Donald Trump put America on the sidelines. Uh-huh. You know, let's get back in the game. And you've got now, a I you've do. got a strong belief too, Cranack. I mean, we we know folks that are that are pretty right wing, and you and I are pretty fair politically. You know, just laying that. Out. And I don't want to go, you know, uh, crossfire here, the old CNN show. But you've got a you got a pretty loud voice out there that believes. You know, with this open records request, I mean, there's an element of belief out there where, all right, has there been communication with 
folks that are that are governors in certain states that have certain political leanings have there been directives to uh to, to make sure football doesn't happen and, yeah. and and you know you can either roll your eyes at that or pound the table and say yes i believe that i mean that's where we're at there's two aisles there that, and that's that's out there and and this ad <laughs> being released uh when it was and it's so weird. You get a lawsuit from Nebraska. You got all the 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 the, the, the chancellors and presidents going. Oh dear God, we're getting sued now, and it didn't get dismissed immediately. You have the fact this ad came out, and then you have a guy that that Wednesday of last week put an open letter out, screaming, "We're not going to revisit anything this fall." Uh, just a few days later, revisiting and revisiting for November. It, Unless look, this was part of the plan all along and things weren't made clear with the the options on the table for a later start date. Look, nobody in this whole scenario looks good right now. Nobody. And now, but I do want to clarify one thing about the, the Biden ad. Mm-hmm. I see, I've seen some things on Twitter where people are saying, oh, see, this proves that this is political. And this is Biden. This is Biden's fault essentially is is the i don't know is the accusation i I just want to make it clear real quick this decision was made like 18 days ago right and it also happened in the mac which is also in that same kind of footprint yep the ad itself is a really simple ad when Mm -hmm. you have resources that does not that that is not an ad that you need to think about 12 months in advance political campaigns are opportunistic by nature and they are ready to pounce on anything and to produce something and get it out in the world quickly. And so, so I just want to clarify that, like, if somebody's out there thinking, like, oh, my God, they had this commercial planned for months and then the Big Ten pulled the plug and then now they can release it. That proves it. No, no, no. They, they very easily could have produced that commercial in like two or three days. I'm just really like you need you need a couple of drone pilots. You need a couple of shots of in, empty stadiums. You need some you B-roll. Find... You need some B-roll uh, <laughs> Dude, on, on not... Friday nights from a year ago, and the stadiums yeah. are lit up. Yeah, you could. Fi- yeah, you can find like stock B-roll that's on some like service. That I mean, I, I just want to make sure that if there if there are people out there that are just like, oh, it proves it. It doesn't. Right? It doesn't prove it. Are there political uh, uh, factors here? Probably. Mm-hmm. But is is this part of Joe Biden's grand plan to, to get elected? Probably not. That that ad should not be in your head as something that like proves it. It's look, it's it's a bunch of shots of empty stadiums. There's no narration. There's like a couple graphics on screen, some PA and some play by play, and it's a really simple ad. You can you can react to that thing however you want, yeah. and you can feel it, however that, you want about it. They could bust that thing out quickly that doesn't it doesn't that's not something that had to be planned for months just for whatever that's worth i just want to kind of put it out there just from working in and around this industry for a long time i can say that with a hundred percent certainty because you've you've produced these ads not not necessarily biden and sidelines but you've done work for a lot of companies yeah as long as you got a few shots yeah as long as you know what your message is you're you're good you can you can you can bust that out in a day if you have your stuff together you bust that out in two days. So, I'm just saying, don't look at that ad as somehow proof 
this is all political and this is all Biden. Is it a factor? Probably. There's probably a factor there. I'm, I'm sure there's some chancellors and some presidents that are. God only knows what they're weighing <laughs> and what their motivations are. Um, but to like directly pin this on Biden or directly pin this on Trump. Stop it. Stop it. Like of all the things that come on. You just got a lot of cooks in the kitchen and no one's yeah. telling you what what orders in. Lodge, you wanted to jump in, buddy. Oh, I was just going to say, you guys see that Trump tweet last night from off the top rope. What time was it at? Oh, uh, 1130 p.m. Disgraceful that the Big Ten is not playing football. Let them play. So he weighed yeah. in. Yeah. And and he also said, I want them to play now. And then he fanned the f- <laughs> he fanned the flames. Imagine that. Uh, he fanned the, what did he say about, so this conspiracy that I was just talking about, uh, I'm trying to find the tweet. This, uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? God, he tweeted so much last night (laughs) and this morning. Yeah. It's so hard to find, but he said something to the effect of that. Just like blaming. Okay, here it is. He says, no, I want big 10 and all other football back now. The Dems don't want football back for political reasons, but are trying to blame me and the Republicans. Another lie. But this is what we're up against. They should also open up all of their shutdown states. So he's putting it out there right now. He's fanning those flames. He's making people think that. Like, oh, yeah, football canceled? The Democrats. The Democrats <laughs> want to cancel the football. Well, I'm with him for the first half of the tweet. Let him play now. What's the point of starting in November? You can't tell me that it's too effing dangerous and we got to go in January. And, and dude, then, that's when the flu is going to come back. I, I get it. You can't, you, you can't tell me worse. that it's too dangerous now and it's going to be better later. It's going to be dangerous no matter what, depending on what medical advice and information you decide to listen to. It's going to be worse later because it's going to be crappy weather where people are less outside, congregating more indoors, and the flu shows back up. It's going to be a worse situation. You've you've got those wonderful dome cities in Minneapolis, and Minneapolis is sweet. It's a good town. But Detroit, Minneapolis, and uh, maybe the Carrier Dome, where else am I thinking? Indianapolis, right? So you've, you've got all four of those spots that have domes, and let's... It'd be kind of a bubble option. Just, just get with the uh, the other Power Five leagues. Are they still hell bent on the end of September? Are they good at maybe moving it back and let's all do this thing October third? End of descend. End of story. I mean, period. That's the best solution. If we're not playing football before the first weekend in October, it's pointless for me because then it's not before the college football playoff, and it's a waste of time. Yeah, just do it. Just do it in the spring anyway, because you're. It's not changing anything besides the NFL draft. Either give me football in October, or give me a red and white game on Black Friday, and let's play in the spring. Yeah, let's let's finish up the college football playoff, and let's play the next weekend after the college football playoff, because it's pointless to try to do a season while all that's going on. Rick. Chimes in via email, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. God, I love me some Trump. <laughs> so, so, so Rick chimes in. Elijah's telling us we have talked way too, too long. Uh, we need to break. Gary Barnett has some uh, pretty interesting perspective here on the lawsuit. Uh, also, this was just a shade before. Well, no, I think we did talk about November football. Uh, he also gets into the Thomas Fedoni commitment 
what it means to have a tight end of this caliber on an offense. He had a, a few of them. Daniel Graham is still scoring in 2001. But uh, he has some backdrop on Frost's use of tight ends, especially at Oregon, that were really difficult to deal with. Gets you excited if you're a Nebraska fan for what the offense can look like. Our rewind is next. It's uh, former Buffs and Northwestern coach Gary Barnett. Brandon Vogel is about a half hour away. We'll run down the Iron Horse. Gary Sharp next hour. It's weekend edition. Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, and uh, Elijah Herbal and Tail Varsity were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Tail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Brandon Vogel coming up. Uh, get his thoughts on the Thomas Fedoni commitment. Uh, busy day uh, in the courtroom for uh, the Husker 8 as the uh, Nebraska players squaring off against the Big Ten. We welcome in the coach at Northwestern in Colorado and avid golfer. We say hi to Gary Barnett. Coach, how's your day going? Uh, Chris, it's going well. What's going on there in Nebraska other than it's a lawsuit or two? Uh, that's about it. Uh, you've had uh, the Nebraska basketball program. Uh, their players came forward uh, today around 4 o'clock as well with statements uh, uh, out and, and against uh, social injustice. So it's been busy today and uh, quite a bit of news. I wanted to get your thoughts on if you've seen or what you've seen uh, of of Nebraska and have you ever heard of uh, uh, players or a program suing and this isn't Nebraska but it's the players suing a conference I mean the last lawsuit I think I remember seeing things uh, get pretty heated about was didn't Oklahoma sue the NCAA back in like the, the mid 80s yeah they did for TV and, uh, but you know this is nothing's normal about this year right now Chris I mean we're talking about stuff that we never dreamed we'd be talking about, yeah. and uh, who knows where it's all going? But it's crazy. I'm, I'm glad I'm not involved in coaching right now. It's, it would be, you know, there's just so many different ways that you go with this thing, and it's going to be interesting to see how much power athletes, pro athletes, college athletes, mm-hmm. really have. Um, you know, the, the overall mission of universities is not for athletics and. Uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how they withstand uh, and how long they take these barrages uh, before they just you know call it quits and just say hey we're not doing any of this sort of stuff it's not worth it anymore and it, you know who knows if it'll go that way but it certainly could and um, you know everybody is feeling their oats right now everybody that feels like. They haven't been given a, a fair shake. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is getting their voice heard, and you know it's it's costly. It's so costly to these universities um, that are already on a they're on a small margin anyway. And so it's uh, you know, and even the NFL, NBA, all that uh, Major League Baseball, you know, the margins are slimmer than people think, and it's going to be interesting to see whether or not. They can afford uh, to uh, handle these lawsuits and these changes and these demands without making major changes. Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, do you have any interest in in this this so-called vote? And it's been 
there's it, it, I've had people say that, that are at the administrative level say, yeah, there was a vote and that was part of the Big Ten's statement by by Commissioner Warren. There's been other presidents uh, within the Big Ten that said, you know, it really wasn't a vote. So there's some some haziness there. Uh, and then it was kind of reiterated, yes, there was a vote. Do you have a problem with players or a program asking to, to see that vote? Or are you like, look, it, it decision was made, move on? No, I don't have a problem with these players and parents asking to to hear the tapes and see the videos and, and find out about it because I think it was done under a, a little bit of darkness and uh, behind closed doors. And this is, as they perceive this, this is their future as their parents see it. This is their son's and daughter's future uh, that's that's being, you know, hampered or eliminated even and changed. So I get it all. Once you open the door for one group uh, to demand these changes and demand the the information, then you've got to do it for all groups, and that's that's where the Big Ten is sitting right now. You know, part of the issue is that every state has a different protocol mm-hmm. uh, as to how they handle things, and uh, some are more strict than others. And it's, it, you know, trying to corral it all and come up with one one answer for everybody is really difficult. And, uh, you know, I... I I totally uh, empathize and uh, with, with parents, uh, and I'm shocked that there's not more transfers. But fortunately, football hasn't started yet, so there's still room for transfers. I mean, you take the schools that are that are quarter schools like Northwestern, and there's a couple others I think in the Big Big Ten, but I know there's a bunch in the Pac-12. Those kids uh, have another month before. They can. They they really could transfer any time during that period of time. Well, you saw the the stud offensive tackle for UCLA uh, pack right. up, and and he's headed to Baylor, right? So that's that's kind of the first, and we'll see if there are more dominoes. That's what I'm wondering with with Nebraska and and other Big Ten schools. Do you see some some of the guys that that can't play this fall leave? And I look, and and I'm not. I'm not sure where a guy like Patty Fisher sits because he's been there for a long time. He's phenomenal. I mean, we're talking all-American lists and all-Big Ten lists and potential league defensive player of the year, right? And his his uh, senior fall has been taken away. Is he a guy that leaves? Is there some guys that are redshirt juniors on Nebraska's uh, offense or defensive side of the balls? I mean, Nebraska's most of their secondary – three-fourths of it, they're all like seniors. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are guys that want to play, and how patient do they stay with this hope and that may not have a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of, faith in this hope about even playing in winter? Well, Chris, first of all, all these guys are talking to agents, and, you know, the information they're getting from agents usually is not accurate. It's, it's, uh, it blows smoke. Sure. Uh, up them and and but sooner or later they can find out they they can get some accurate information through the process if they work at it hard enough and those kids who are pretty well guaranteed uh that they're going to be nfl draft choices you know more than likely they are not going to play next spring there's no way they're going to play and so it it comes down to the kids that really are thinking about transferring are the ones who are on the bubble and and someone's got to be honest with them 
uh, or they have to work really hard to get the honesty out of everybody um, as to whether or not you know it, it would make sense for them to go transfer and get us get this season in right now, and, and so they have a chance to go. And you know when you sit back and you look at it from a distance, you go, really, are we? Is this really the right thing for us to do? Is to be you know, creating this thing for these kids to go to the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, our col- is that what colleges, football and colleges are about? And I'm not answering that. I'm just throwing it out. It's, it's a, a question, question I think yeah. people have to ponder. And if you're a sports enthusiast, you look at it one way. If you're an academic, you look at it completely different. And um, that's what's going on right now. Gary Barnett's with us, few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. Do you uh... – do you anticipate massive amounts of tampering uh, from other conferences that are playing with some guys if they want to fill out a roster? Or is that, uh, is that something that is not really spoken about but maybe does exist? Well, I would imagine there's a great deal of tampering going on right now. Uh, with the portal, what the portal did was allow tampering to happen and make it legal. So... Um, the tampering is legal to do right now, and that's exactly what's going on. Uh, you, you're missing a player or two on your team. You got plenty of time because nobody's even opening up until first of October. Mm-hmm. So, but now the risk you're running if you're a player is you go there and all of a sudden they cancel the season, and so now you're in the same boat you would have been in if you'd have stayed at Nebraska or Northwestern, wherever. Mm-hmm. So it's risky, and boy, you have to weigh your advice. You have to weigh what you think is going to happen. It's not an easy thing to do, but tampering is now legal because of the transfer portal, so of course it's going on. How did you deal with with guys that were messing with agents? And I'm not talking about – I remember – God, I remember Curtis Enos, right? The name popped into my head. Phenomenal back, Penn State, and I remember – how good a senior year he had, right? Top five draft pick, took a suit, missed the bowl game. Didn't matter. I think Penn State rolled whoever they played anyway. But point is, is that that has happened in the past to kids. How do you, how are you able to either A, hear about it and, and cut it off, or B, uh, deal with the, the fallout and, and stay with a decent relationship with the kid who might have made a mistake? Well, it's a fine line, and your obligation is to the kid, uh, I've, I always felt. But I also, it was my obligation to make sure he knew exactly uh, where the line was that if he crossed, he was no longer an amateur. Gotcha. And if he didn't cross, then he was okay. And so I, I, didn't have a, I didn't have a big problem with guys talking to agents just so they knew that, you know, if you go to dinner with an agent, you pay your own bill. I mean, you can do that. You can talk. You just can't make it an agreement. Now, how much of that really happened, I don't know. Sure. But I knew, do know that my players, or I hoped my players knew that I was on their side. I was hoping for them to have the best opportunity down the road for their life. But as you sit back and you think about it, Chris, from a distance, is that what college football is supposed to be about? And I think that's a big dilemma right now. Um, and that's why it's, I'm curious to see how much power these guys really have. And like I said in the opening, is, is, is this what universities want to be about? And who makes that decision? And um, 
who knows? I don't know where it goes and what it looks like, but I think we're heading for a collision course well, uh, between those two issues. Well, and, and you kind of laid it out a couple of weeks ago about how you, you could have a minor league system developed. Guys go, come out of high school and go play there if they want to get paid. And right. Some kids just stay at school, and you're going to have your – your conferences and, and go from there. Coach, I want to get your thoughts on, on the, the tight end position. Nebraska landed a kid that's uh, top uh, top 40 in, in the country, number one tight end of the country, and just big and fast and, and really a uh, kid out of Council Bluffs. And Nebraska's had more infiltration in their backyard or region with other schools, not only in the Big Ten, but other other programs, Notre Dame, LSU, it's it's happened. There's a, a pretty good level of, of regional talent that's super high level. But uh, I know you ran a double tight system. You and Watts did and was really impressive. As you've looked at Frost's offenses, when you look at the Oregon teams you've seen or even Central Florida, how big can can a can a thoroughbred that's uh, that's you know six 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 seven two sixty that can run that's that's great, but how can he be effective in the offense you're kind of familiar with with Frost? Well, you know, I think Scott was there when they had a great tight end at Oregon who ended up getting in a lot of trouble um, and got suspended for a game and then got suspended for his last two years or dropped out of school. And I cannot for the life of me think of his name. I didn't have a chance to look this no, up fine. to see what it was. That was as good a player as there was in the country. And when Oregon used him, because, because it was such uh, an anomaly to their offense that people didn't, as they defended him, didn't think about it. But when you put a guy like that out there, they, were, they operated at a higher level than they'd ever operated before. And that's what a t- one of these specialized tight ends can do for you. There's just not very many of them out there. It may be the hardest, single most difficult position to find, and yet they're making tons of money at the next level. But if you take a a special tight end, uh, I mean, we're talking Gronk, we're talking guys like that, Dan Graham in my case, you guys, you know, what you can do with them offensively just makes it so much harder for everybody that's trying to defend you. So Scott, I think, knows knows what to do. He's seen it happen. He's had one of those guys. He couldn't stay there uh, for one reason or another. But he's got experience doing that, and, and the guy was special. There's no question about it. Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, uh, last thought here, about a minute and a half. Who do you like for the, uh, the FedEx this weekend in Illinois? You know what I? I don't know. I'm. Uh, how, how do you not like Dustin Johnson? Oh, well, he pulled a Barnett last weekend, didn't he? Like he just did. <laughs> Good grief! Uh, I mean, I don't know how you not like, take a guy like that. So Have you you've had a round like that before, haven't you? Not like that. <laughs> well, it felt like that, but it wasn't like that. <laughs> yeah, just a little different optics on it. Well, good Oh, enough. my gosh. Yeah. That was, that was yeah. awesome. Coach, you have a good rest of the weekend, and it was fun to chat, and thanks for spending some time with us today. You bet, Chris. Good to be with you. Thank, Thank you. Uh-huh. Gary Barnett with us on Hale Varsity Radio. <laughs> yeah, we all we all have that uh, that round where we're, we're, we're walking off 18 and just smiling like man, that was that. That wasn't Dustin. That wasn't DJ. Hey, come see us tomorrow. 
Chewy's sitting with me. It's Wilderness Ridge. We're on the road, Road Show Friday for Hale Varsity Radio. I am smiling. It's going to be out on the deck. It's going to be beautiful. So you're invited out, socially distant, outdoor. It's going to be all sorts of fun. And we'll talk some football, we'll talk some golf. But it is going to feel outstanding to get on the road again and do a show. Uh, I've done a couple of shows for my patio. That was nice. There was a a German Shepherd and Labradoodle around that tried to disconnect me. They won't be with us this time. We'll be out on the deck at Wilderness Ridge, 4 to 6 tomorrow. Get yourself a cold one or get a bourbon. Scotty, the bartender, makes phenomenal drinks. Hell, go play some golf before the 4 o'clock show start. Get out there, swing the clubs, enjoy yourself. Be with us tomorrow on the road, Wilderness Ridge, 4 to 6, out on the deck. Uh, Mr. Vogel, Brandon Vogel's coming up on Hale Varsity. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Spending time, Hour 2, Weekend Edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big thanks to Gary Barnett as we uh, wrapped up our number one. Brandon Vogel and Gary Sharp can join us today. Uh, find us on Twitter at Hale Varsity, at ESPN Lincoln, and some other handles to follow at Schmidt underscore radio, at Mark Skurs for Mark, excuse me, at Mark Cranach and at Herbal Essence. We welcome in author with John Cook and managing editor from HaleVarsity.com and magazine, Brandon Vogel with us at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogue's true or false, you had a Friday night under the lights at some point in your career like Mr. Harburg did last night, throwing touchdowns and, uh, well, getting to eat hot dogs and hang out in the second half. <laughs> um, no, I can't remember how many touchdowns did he got for last night. Five, definitely, definitely didn't. Yeah, definitely didn't get to five. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, that was that was the quarterback's fault. I was wide receiver, you know. I was just there's only so much you can work with now, too. Um, yeah, I don't remember a 65 to six game. My freshman and sophomore year, uh, we won a total of one game in two seasons. So it's more likely I was on the on the Wood River end of it, I guess. If I if I were to stop and think about it, so. One game in two years? Was that talent or coaching? Um, it, it was a it was a rough stretch. My freshman year, uh, <laughs> the, the varsity had not won a game the year prior either. Uh, so when we finally got that one, which was early, I think in my sophomore year, I don't remember now, a long time ago, uh, it set off quite the celebration, and then <laughs> it, it happened to be the only one. But junior senior year, we we ended up making uh, we became a playoff team, so mm-hmm. at least we made some progress. What, what accounted for that? Me. Oh, just you. True whiteout. Yeah. True whiteout diva. True whiteout diva. Yeah, some, some, Me. Some get some guys. You just got to be aware of where they're at on the field at all times, and uh, it, it, it helps everybody else. Now we had a uh, our class was pretty big, um, and we kind of had had a pretty good group of of players. Um, so it was just a matter of you know, at small towns, it's 
so cyclical with like, hey, does this group of sixth graders happen to be better at playing basketball than the previous four groups? And if you do, you're good. And when you don't have those classes, you're not so good. And so it goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, speaking of, of groups and talent, what, what's going on with the renaissance in and around the Metro right now with Division One talent? I was just trying to count it up in my head. I think typical, in a typical year, it seems like you have, what, four to six players from the state maybe that are kind of Division One caliber or Power Five caliber. Nebraska almost got like a like double that, like probably a dozen or so. There's four Division One Power Five quality tight ends alone right now in the Metro. What do you think accounts for that, this sort of resurgence that the state of Nebraska is seeing right now? You know, I honestly don't know. And it, it's probably a, a pretty, like, certainly a, a long magazine feature type of project to to talk to some people and, and try and figure that out because it's, it's a pretty fascinating question. Um, I mean, you look at, yeah, so, you know, it, it used to be like Nebraska would kind of get the guys that it, it wanted and have some have some guys go go elsewhere occasionally at Notre Dame or in Iowa would sneak in here and, and grab somebody. But, um, you know, when you see guys going to like Miami, Ohio, uh, Northern Illinois, it just tells you about kind of the, the, the broader talent level outside of those top line guys that Nebraska's always had, like you said, you know, maybe four or five a year. Um, I think even without spring seven on seven football, I think year round training has, has probably helped with that. That would be where I start um, when you look at some of these businesses that have popped up where guys can go and, and train sports specific, really all off season if they want. Um, I think that's part of it. Um, you know, I, I still. Bugs. Athletes, those guys that are getting, yes, you got me. We got you now. Yep. Sorry. It'd be interesting to know some actual numbers on, on how many of those Nebraska athletes that are getting these power sport guys. Um, I know that's a big deal, too. Um, that might be part of it as well. Brandon Vogel's with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Let's stick with uh, some of that talent that Cranach alluded to. And you had Kobe Brett, uh, you got A.J. Rollins committing yesterday, Thomas Fedoni, of course, the, the big get and thrusting Nebraska as into a top 20 class for 2021. Fedoni's incredible to watch. Uh, and that was a necessary get for Nebraska. Spend a second here on on Rollins, what you like about him, and, and also Bretson. If, if you want to, you know, slap old Fedoni on the back, go for it. But uh, I, it's not fair to, like, just gloss over. He's great. But you, you've got two other guys that are, are pretty intriguing as I look at them and, you know, kind of project where they could end up and what they could do for Nebraska. Yeah, so so Rollins is another guy who um, you know has kind of tested extremely well. He has that that frame where Nebraska can can really do almost whatever they want with him. Um, in in that way, he, he's he's similar to Fedoni. Um, you know, Fedoni's ranked what he's ranked for a reason. Um, he's a little bit further along, I think, in my opinion. But Rollins is super intriguing to me. Um, just in terms of what he's able to do, and I, I, you know, I think we we talked a little bit about this on on the Thursday show, but with these kind of versatile tight ends, I'm really interested in the the impact it has on Nebraska's run game. Um, I think it allows them to be super versatile, and when you've got these guys that are 
you know, pretty long and lean tight ends for now. We'll, we'll see how long they stay that way. You know, that's, that's part of the appeal here is you have the choice. Um, is just kind of what do you do? You know, does, does it allow you to go faster when you've got two of those guys on the field? Hey, it's no big deal if they're out wide standing outside the numbers. You know, they can do that. Um, it, it, Chris Hickman is a guy who's, who's in that category now. And Nebraska is here in a couple of years going to, um, as those guys come through the program and become contributors, it's kind of going to have a fleet of them. Um, and that's, that's pretty intriguing in terms of what you can do offensively. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And look, Brandon, it continues that trend, too, of just sheer size. I mean, these guys are all 6'5 plus. You throw in Harburg, he's 6'5 plus. Nebraska's going to be, just by default, they're going to have to be. They're just going to be a really tall, big team. <laughs> and um, yeah. be interesting to see how that um, correlates with uh, the speed that they're, that they're all about, too. Now, Fedoni, for those who haven't seen him, Look, I don't want to be platitude guy here, but athletically, he's not as big now. But, like, he's Gronk type, right? Like, you know what I mean? Just really, like, a lot bigger than everybody else and really damn fast and can catch the ball with one hand. Like, that's the kind of frame that you're bringing in, isn't it? I mean, if, if you're trying to think of a comparison that we all know about, as a tight end, that's sort of the projection if he puts on the 30 to 40 pounds that it seems like every player puts on once they join the program. Yeah, sorry, Mark, you cut out. Like, what was the comparison? Um, Chris Schmidt. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, a Gronk <laughs> Pile type. of crap in the corner. A, no, a Gronk type, honestly. just Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's, I think that's the hope. Um, and, and you're right. You know, he'll, he'll have to put on some weight to get there, which has not been a problem at all so far for, for guys coming in into Nebraska, into that strength and conditioning program who uh, are, are willing to put in the work. And from everything we've heard from, you know, his coaches and, and people around him, um, that's, that's not an issue here either. Um, and, you know, and everybody's out there looking for, for that type of player, they become, hugely hugely valuable um just as i mean you, you've seen the george kittle contract all of those things at the nfl level um these tight ends are becoming some some highly coveted prospects and if you can get one of those early uh and have them at the college level uh it's, it's almost becoming one of the biggest recruiting wins you can have Vogues uh, is with us. HailVarsity.com and Magazine is where you read Brandon L. Vogel, also Dream Like a Champion. Vogues, uh, let's get your take on on how you see this November situation, as in Thanksgiving, as moving the season up with the Big Ten. What do you believe? And with reports, this is something that, that came out with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, okay, and uh, I'm sure they have close contacts with certain people on the you know, competition committee with the Big Ten. All that being said, do you, do you like an earlier start day or is it just more madness? Um, yeah, certain certain former offensive linemen at Nebraska, maybe. Um, linebacker, too. Which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, linebacker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, November's pretty intriguing to me, you know, when you start to to break out like what that schedule would look like. So um, you'd get a little bit of, hey, we're, we're playing while some others are still playing. 
Um, you'd have a chance, I assume, uh, the recruiting calendars like wadded up in, in the wastebasket at this point, but if that returns to some sort of normal uh, timeline, you, you'd be able to potentially get some official visits in before the traditional uh, December dead period. That's assuming that they're still having an early signing period. We haven't heard an official ruling on that yet. Um, you would, you'd go up against the NFL, and we know from, from Bill Moose's comments this week that NFL GMs have been in those conversations with uh, athletic directors. So there must have been something there that said, hey, maybe, maybe you know, even before January might be even better for you. Who, who knows? That's, that's me guessing because there hasn't been, of course, a whole lot of uh, transparency here, and you just get occasional puzzle pieces that you, you try to fashion together. Um, but I think I think November's November's interesting. Um, like <laughs> sooner's better than later. Um, I I don't think it's going to go much earlier than that. Um, and I guess you know there's there's no guarantee that things are going to be different um, in November than they would be right now. You just kind of give yourself some more time, which I think was was ultimately the Big Ten's goal. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Look if. Depending on how you view the pandemic and and COVID, you could just say the answer to the question of, hey, why did you cancel the season, Big Ten? You could just say, well, because of a global pandemic, right? And for some people, the argument stops right there. Um, But for a lot of others, it doesn't. So against the context now of high school football being played across the country, every major league sport playing um, the prospects of the SEC, ACC, Big 12, as of today, seems like they're going to play. All that said, have you heard a satisfactory reason 18 days after the announcement from the Big 10 about why they are not playing? No, because we really haven't gotten much in, in the way of answers on that at all. So you're kind of left to surmise that out of an abundance of caution, um, I think it's, I don't think it's too loaded to, to say that, given what you just mentioned, uh, all of the other things that are happening or about to happen. Um, the Big Ten was certainly so far uh, one of the more cautious amongst those. They're not the only conference, but they're kind of the big domino to fall, of course. Um, out of an abundance of caution, uh, they decided to make the decision. It, it's still uh, the, the kind of irreconcilable part of this is why it happened when it did. Like, why not, why not wait till now? Um, who knows? Uh, maybe we'll I, – I don't think answers to that are coming anytime soon. Um, but but maybe at some point we'll get those. But but no, there's when you see these. I mean, you look at high schools and they're going almost all over the country. I know some states are, are have have canceled entirely, but a lot of them are going, including Nebraska. Um, I went to a game in Tennessee last week. They're going, and if, if they can do that with kind of the limited resources that high schools are working with, it, it does kind of underscore um, the Big Ten's decision in early August to, to just say, no, we've seen enough. Um, and I, it's, it's hard. But no, to answer your question directly, I guess, and not stammer on here, I, I haven't seen a satisfactory answer for that. Vogues, when we talk about the Big Ten, why? Why do you think they, they have potentially backpedaled and opened up November 
as an option? What, what What's your read? Two, is the, is the bridge blown up or can you navigate across that bridge and reach out to the Power Five leagues that are, are playing and, and maybe get a uniform start date? How would that conversation go with from the Big Ten to the three leagues that, that are going right now in late September? But I, I know delaying is no good and no fun, but you could push it back a week and have a uniform start date in October, like October 3rd. You could, um, you know, we're, we're so close now that it almost seems like that horse is out of the barn. Um, and because, you know, it didn't help that, you know, when the, the big 10 made its conference only, uh, announcement, you, you heard some rumblings from other conferences of like, Hey, we had no idea they were going to do this. So you may have burned a little bit of a bridge there. Um, I don't really view a potential Thanksgiving start date, however, as, as a backtrack. Um, that's just me personally, you know. So the initial decision comes out made by the um, Council of Presidents and Chancellors and says spring. Okay, well, you know, it wasn't two, you know, two weeks before. We're like, okay, well, maybe it's actually more January. Uh, and I just think it's, it's as they've gotten into these meetings and, you know, the fact that they didn't start talking about this until they've already made the decision is a whole separate problem. But I just think as they've gotten into this and as the ADs, I think, have been more involved, um, like ending up at November kind of feels like, okay, once we got into it and started looking at it, the initial spring timeline, which we just kind of put out there because it's what we knew at the point, uh, didn't become that feasible. What what did become feasible is November. Um, So... The, in terms of partnering with, with the other conferences, I think there's a perception that the Big Ten kind of left them out on mm-hmm. their own um, to go off and, and do its own thing. So I don't know how much cooperation you're going to get there. Um, Alabama-Birmingham, is, is which has 900 cases, COVID cases so far. Now, that's a big school, and they have a medical school there, so I don't know this details of all this testing, but Alabama Birmingham is scheduled to play on Thursday. So it's, you know, it's, it's really go time for those schools. They're going to forge ahead. And I just don't see the big 10, like to me, who knows at this time, like where, where surprises occur every day, uh, maybe it's best to say nothing, but I would be surprised if they ended up going much earlier than the Thanksgiving date that's out there. That really to me seems like about as early as they'd be willing to go for various reasons. Brandon Vogel with us on on Hale Varsity Radio. Do you think that I mean it's obvious that Nebraska is is um, kind of in the lead as it relates to no, let's try to do this thing. They've been the most vocal out of all the schools. Um, do you do you think there is long lasting damage in, in Nebraska's relationship to the with the Big Ten? or because of all the academic prestige that comes with being a member of the Big Ten, do you view it as a short-term ripple and Nebraska's not going anywhere? Yeah, I I, kind of view it as a short-term ripple, I think. I mean, we know from the... From the fan point of view, like grudges remain for a long time, and I think <laughs> Nebraska will deal with with some of that. Um, but there's also plenty of, you know, saw a lot of when the when the lawsuit came out earlier in the week, saw a lot of tweets from from Ohio State fans that were like, "Go Huskers!" Um, 
so, so you have a little bit of that too, but, but conference wide, you know, I, I, I think you'll, you'll, you always have some of that, some kind of SEC big 10 division. Um, there'll be a little bit of negative backlash as the big 10 is one of the, well, is basically the, the most powerful conference that isn't playing while others aren't saying, Oh yeah, look at, look at the big 10. I mean, we're already seeing that to, to some degree, but for the most part, um, things will smooth out. I think eventually uh, you'll, you'll always have a little bit of people who, who just define the Big Ten by, by what's happened so far. But hopefully, too, well, hopefully even, even by next fall, but like two, three, three years down the road when football is back and everything feels hopefully normal again, um, it'll, it'll fade away. Almost everything's temporary. Brandon, what about Kevin Warren? How hot is his seat right now? And correct me if I'm wrong here, but it would be the Council of Presidents and Chancellors that would be the one that would fire him, correct? Yes, as far as as far as I understand, um, I personally don't think it's that hot, unless like so, some information comes out that um, you know some of the kind of wilder. Uh, thoughts about what has happened with this come out, but ultimately he's a new commissioner um, who acts basically at the behest of that council. Um, I mean, I know everyone has already assumed they know what Kevin Warren personally feels about this, but I I don't like, I have no idea what he personally feels about this. Uh, We know his son's playing in the sec. That might be the closest indication of, of how he personally in a personal decision for his family feels about it. But if he doesn't have the support of council and presidents, if say that vote is 12-2 or whatever, um, just throwing that out there, then what do you do um, other than kind of step up and, and have to take the heat for it? And boy, he's taken a lot and he didn't help himself with kind of his transparency and uh, his answers to, to the few questions he's taken so far. But I personally am, am not ready to just throw him under the bus for this. Um, could things have been better? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a new job for him. And I kind of look at it as like there's two, there's two options here. Either he is historically bad at this, and if he is, he, he won't have that job for very long, or we don't have all of the information. Um, he's doing this because he feels it's the best course of action. Either way, he's going to be judged on that eventually. I just don't think that's coming that quickly. Two things. He better hope and pray that things don't move forward with football so he looks right. <laughs> or he better uh, he better figure out a way. He's got so many camps to please, Vogues, doesn't he? I mean, he's got to... He's got to be be able to, to... You know, the Council on Presidents and Chancellors, yeah, he works for them. He's also the guy who needs to communicate the, the wants and needs and hopes of the athletic directors and and the coaches and, and and the players, by the way. I mean, at least this competition committee has the medical folks and the, the the chancellors and presidents and coaches. It's got everybody at the table, and it's just you know too late in the process because there wasn't uh, unified con- you know, conversations earlier with this thing. Uh, he was kind of a point guy with several different meetings, you know, and he had to take what. X meeting said uh, the, the next meeting and uh, you know it's easy to armchair I, I get I can't imagine stepping into something like this during a pandemic for God's sake uh, and it, it probably at his heart 
you know, to your point, my kid's playing. He probably wants to play ball. But if it's just Ohio State, Nebraska, and, and Iowa saying, let's play ball, uh, his hands are tied. But the, the presidents and chancellors, they sure as hell haven't, haven't helped him out by, by coming forward. They're the ones that made the decision. Right. They, they, they haven't. And even, I mean, the strange thing about it is even the, what, what chancellors and presidents have come out and said doesn't, doesn't match either. Um, exactly. Which is, which, which, CYA. which is, is straight. Yeah. Which is, which is strange. I mean, Ronnie Green, you know, a group of Nebraska players said, Hey, there's, here's three instances of presidents saying that there was not a vote or they were unsure if there was a vote left out that the chancellor of this university said that there absolutely yeah. quote unquote absolutely was. So, I mean, and you know, if that doesn't change what's in that lawsuit, it just says, Hey, look at this uncertainty here. But that's been, that's been strange. It certainly seems like, um, you know, and, and, and I don't mean this as a slight against Kevin Warren. I, I more look at it as kind of evidence of just how early on he is in this. Like, that sort of division and every person for themselves doesn't happen under Jim Delaney. And Jim Delaney was a singularly good conference commissioner. Like he will go down in history for everything he did for the big 10. And he wasn't perfect with everything either, but you just look at all the money those schools make, the expansion, all all of that. He he pulled a lot of levers and a lot of them were the right ones. Um, It's been a little bit strange. And and I think it's, you know, I, I do chalk a good deal up of, of it up to him just being new and it being hard and a lot of those council of presidents and chancellors being new themselves it's uh you know it, it's like you you graduated a big class of seniors and you also got to throw in a new coach um and you're trying to, to kind of build a unified team again and unfortunately they they needed that team to be ready to go by the season opener and it wasn't uh we'll see if they get ready to to go by Thanksgiving, I guess, now, um, and, and see if that helps. Brandon Vogel's with us. Vogel, you have a great weekend. It was a fun chat this morning. Thanks for your time, as always. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Thanks, Brandon, Brandon Vogel with us, and Brandon L. Vogel. Get his hey. book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Read him on HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. What's up? Did you see what the Husker uh, account tweeted yesterday? The countdown? One, yesterday was one year exactly until Dublin. Ooh. I know. That's and it's still been, a thing. It's been two years since you were. We were taking car bomb shots, and uh, uh, you you were led, leading the, the the breadcrumbs out there for a for an Ireland game. You started and this. It, you know this. And it happened. Dude, we started this back in 2017. Not we. You. I mean, you, you get all the credit, man. Yeah. Okay. Because you got you're, your your, your Irish buddies over there. Because you've been over there for work a few times. I mean, I, man, I, I can't wait to go over there and do our show. It's going to be ridiculous. We better start rowing now. We got to get Ted on. Ted, Ted's my guy over in Dublin. That'd be great. We got to get him on. He know, and he's born and bred, so he mm-hmm. knows the spots. <laughs> he, he could. So he I could, mean, he could start scouting for he us. He could get us, uh, you know, a, a pub with a power source and right by the stadium, and we could just. That's what I'm saying. Just do a 24 hour show. 24 hour. Well, I don't know about all that. We'd have line changes. That. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. Let's uh, step away and we'll bring in the Iron Horse. Gary Sharp's on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. 
Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them, straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Weekend edition rolls forward to Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in... The Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, how big a smile did you have on your face when you got into the booth and got ready for some high school football this week, man? Congrats on another year of high school ball for you. And uh, it was it had to be just awesome to be uh, under the lights. Yeah, it was uh, the old friend was back. It was uh, nice to see live sports, nice to see football. It kind of hits you when you, you finish the broadcast. You're like, wow, this is the only show in town. High school football, and then a collection of colleges playing in Nebraska. But uh, you know, it's great to see everybody's doing the right thing. Uh, I'm glad the NSAA allowed the opportunity for fall sports in Nebraska to, to move forward. And you know, the excitement on uh, players' faces—it was—it just felt a little bit normal. But before we go any further, can we discuss that? Mark just said that he has a friend over in Dublin, and his name Ted. You would yeah. think that if you had a friend in Dublin, it would be like Limus or something like that. Not somebody named Ted. Well, his real name's Gary, but he goes by <laughs> Ted. There's a whole thing over there. There's a, there was a show called Father Ted, and then that I don't know. He's a he's an interesting cat. I knew a Father Ted. <laughs> Might have been him. <laughs> Who needs football? <laughs> we all need football, man. Uh, so are you going, Gary? G- G- Gary's, Gary's coming with us. We are kidnapping Sharpie, and he's going across the pond with us in 2021. Are you in? You know what? I I would be in. That's an experience. Um, I wish I kind of would have gone to Tokyo back in what 92. Oh, I know. <laughs> I heard stories about that. <laughs> well, I mean, how, how, that would have been great to be on the plane when you have Kansas State, and Nebraska sharing the same plane going over there and. You know, you bump into the road warriors, and look what happens in Tokyo. I, I'm just thinking of kicking it with Devaney in Tokyo. <laughs> oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. <laughs> was that the only one? Too, I cannot think. Like, I, maybe I've been the, paying enough attention. It was the Coca-Cola like, Bowl? Schools go play in Japan? No, not before, like, and not since. <laughs> yeah, that was the rare. You know, there was a stretch where. Uh, I remember Oklahoma State went over there and played. Oh, did they? Okay. Uh, yeah, I think Nebraska was Nebraska K State was one of the last games that was played over there because they were trying to expand college football in Japan because uh, football was starting American football. They were trying to get it off the ground in Japan, uh, but after that, it was just way too expensive, and they lost like some major sponsors. So I think Nebraska Kansas State were one of the final ones to go over there and play. But you remember when Nebraska would always take those kind of trips? Um, but they were more like to Hawaii at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty cool they went to uh, Japan. I think, you know, and you guys mentioned it, you're right. Here in this state, uh, there will be a lot of Nebraska people. Well, fingers crossed. But I know I'm following hey. some Notre Dame. Sharpie, Sharpie, we, Sharpie, Sharpie, I'm going to interrupt you. Sharpie, we've lost you completely. He's He's there, but he's... Far away. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the earbuds. Sharpie, we got you, bud. 
Is it the Beats by Dre? We're gonna we're gonna, re- we're gonna we're gonna reconnect. We're gonna reconnect with Sharpie. Did he save try to save money by getting the knockoff AirPods? You'll have to ask. Him, you'll have to ask him. Twenty dollars. I don't know. They look just like it, but do they operate the same? No, they don't. That was the best gag gift ever for for Christmas. What we uh, we wrapped Junior up like some four dollar fake AirPods. Uh huh. Put him in his stocking. He was all excited. The junior got AirPods, and then they were the super cheap AirPods. He was pissed. Then we got to redial him. He dropped, uh, and then you know we we. It's kind of like the old Red Ryder BB gun. Did you get everything you wanted? Well, no. You know what you could do with the AirPods. You could just take like the old the corded ones, just cut off the cords, <laughs> right? And then it looks like an AirPod. Uh huh. Yeah. And, and then you just wrap those. Well, anywho, we, the, the smile on his face and then the I'm going to kill you look in his eyes was pretty good. That wasn't funny. We, this we, year, COVID's canceled or Christmas is canceled because of COVID. Okay. So there we go. Sharpie, we yeah. got you back, buddy. Yeah, that was a great story. I just told Oprah all your listeners enjoyed it. Well, <laughs> reset it if you want. <laughs> Hopefully you said it in front of other people. Yeah. Are you, are you, you somewhere? Yes. At the yeah. inner rail somewhere? Uh, no, I'm. Uh, I'm just. Uh, I'm out in the great outdoors. Which this would be. Imagine if you were playing football today. The weather's going to be incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> hey, who who'd you have by the way? Friday. Uh, we had uh, Thursday night. We had Elkhorn South and Millard West. Eric Crouch's son kicked the Camden field goal with nine seconds to go to give Elkhorn South a thirty to twenty eight victory. Yeah, I saw that. Now, does he play other positions too, or is he just kicker? Uh, this year, I believe that he's just a kicker. Okay. And so you you got to see a couple pretty good offensive linemen for Elkhorn South, obviously. One of them, um, Teddy Pro... Is it? Does he go by Prohaska or Prochaska? Prohaska. Prohaska, that's what I thought. Yep, so um, you got Prohaska, and then you also have the younger Zadiska, who's getting some, uh, getting some attention. Uh, a lot of Bohunk offensive linemen on that team. Uh... <laughs> What what did you what did you make what did you make of of seeing him in person against a you know obviously a quality opponent? Well, l- let me first mention uh, it was quite the interesting night on Thursday here in the Metro because the Omaha Westside Creighton Grip game, Chris Brown's son Colby mm-hmm. is the backup quarterback for Westside, so he got into that game that Westside won, and then the game that I had, you not only had Eric Crouch's son, you had Matt Hoskinson's son, you have John Kataska's son. They're all playing in that game. I mean, it makes us feel all old. The guys that were on the 90s team now have kids that are, you know, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, or seniors in, uh, in high school. You know, Teddy is uh, bigger than he was last year. He is a legit 6'4", 290, but he looks kind of – he even looks skinny at that frame. Uh, his vertical didn't change. Uh, he added 20 pounds of muscle in the offseason. Uh, told me that he's doubling up in his English classes so he can graduate early. And one thing that – and I, I see Teddy play in person probably – four or five times over the last two years. Um, I expect more out of him. He is usually better on the defensive side of the football. Um, I expect him to dominate on the offensive line. I, I think he will benefit from a couple of things at Nebraska. First and foremost is more time with Zach Duvall in the fifth distant program. But I really think his game will take off when he gets under the tutelage of Greg Austin. You know, there's some technique things that he still needs to work on. I'd like to see him dominate a little bit more. When you look at his frame and what you can do with him, um, and I'd like to see him get a little bit more of an edge 
I think he'll be okay when he gets to Nebraska, but I think Nebraska's given him the impression that they would like him on the field sooner than later, and that's why he's going you know, to enroll early and be on campus in January. Sharpie, uh, uh, takeaway this week with uh, the work Nebraska did on the recruiting trail. Brett's out of West Side. Rollins from prep yesterday. I really like Rollins' film, just how how s- slippery he is. And I know he's powerful. He's, he's, a, he's an edge mauler, but he is good. Uh, he's just fluid. And then, of course, uh, I know you've been uh, tracking and you had a really good insight on Fedoni. Uh, the the gem of the class. Uh, just a, a quick comment on on Nebraska's haul this week. Well, let's start with Kobe Bretts, who not a lot of people know about because you know no. Kobe had to take care of some things off the field to get his mind right. And if you want to play football or not, do all the things you have to play football at Westside. And he's done that. And kudos to him. He's a freak of an athlete. He can play safety. He can play outside linebacker at the next level. He's got great. He's got great athleticism. Uh, moving laterally, uh, you know, backpedaling when he's playing as a defensive back. I think he's got a very good instinct. Um, I think he's also got a body that can grow. Um, I think that's one of those pickups for Nebraska where they go, okay, we can project him. This is where we see his path going. And that's a credit to Kobe in, in a year how much progress he has made in that program. I like that pickup a lot. I also think that offer came a little bit quicker because Minnesota was very interested because him and Avante Dickerson are really good friends. And so Nebraska doesn't want to lose two guys from the number one team in the state to Minnesota. So they made the offer, and of course he said yes. Everybody knows what we talked about with Sedoni. He's the real deal. I'm not as high as you are, Schmitty, on A.J. Rollins. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm looking at, I'm looking at James Carney at Norris. Mm-hmm. I think James Carney at Norris is the better tight end. I just don't know where A.J. Rollins is going to play. I know he's going to come in as a tight end, um, but there's, there's a lot of things to his game, and I think he's got to get the motor going. Um, gotcha. He definitely, he definitely has the size for to be a tight end in the Big Ten, but I don't know. I've, I've always been, man, is that an offer that Nebraska made way too early? But you never know. I mean, he gets into a program. It's not like they're going to ask him to come in and play right away. But if you look at where they're going with the tight end recruiting, and you start with Sedoni, and you look at the guys that are going to be in that room for another year and another year after that. I mean, it's very, very promising. But I think A.J., you know, kudos to him saying yes to Nebraska. It's important for Nebraska to get guys out of the Omaha area, and that's a good program with a former Husker that's running in Timmyong. I just think, you know, A.J. Rollins has got some work to do. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. I asked Brandon about this, too, and you're a lot closer to the high school football scene uh, in the Metro, but – the, the level of talent, there is a decided it's, – it's a huge increase in the number of Division One prospects that Nebraska, specifically the Metro, is churning out right now. Um, maybe double what you would even have like three, four years ago. Is, is that a component is, – is the reason why that's happening because of Nebraska's sort of like overall exposure and the camp circuit being in the Big Ten, there's just more, more attention on the Metro – or is it, is it off-season training? Is it a combination of that? Why are there basically double the number of D1 prospects in the Metro right now? Everything you said, Mark, uh, the off-season training is a big thing. You look at the different facilities that are in the Omaha area where kids can train year-round. Uh, not only strength and conditioning, but they can do football work. Uh, I, I think programs are better. And it's not just head coaches. I think there's the position coaches in this area are better. So players are you know, they're, they're more college-ready in high school programs these days. 
and they're playing a lot more football. You know, they not only have the fall around here, but in the summertime, there's seven-on-seven, there's a camp uh, where you can pad it up and you can go full speed in June in the Omaha area. So I think there's a lot more opportunities, and I think guys getting out and getting exposure, more people are going, okay, who's the next Chris Hickman, Nick Hendricks, Noah Fant, uh, Xavier Watts from Omaha and the surrounding area? We've got to take an extra look. And all of a sudden, you got guys that are blowing up with their recruiting. They're getting offers from all over the country. And you've got two guys who have to sit out this year because they're at OPS schools that are going to be in next year's class, some of the highest-ranked players in the country. It's really amazing. And I, I've seen it over the last three or four years, and I can feel it coming because you can see the talent coming up. And I think the pipeline is continuing. And it's encouraging. And it's, you know, for some, some things, it's going to make Nebraska's job easier. For some, state, some players, it's going to make their job more difficult because there are more teams that are coming into Nebraska to recruit these kids. Gary, this is a little out there, so you can stop me if, if I'm getting too crazy. But we're now 25 years removed from the golden era of Nebraska football, and the people that grew up watching the Huskers in that era are now, you know, sending their kids through high school. Were parents trying to raise the next great Husker? Is that why we're seeing this resurgence of talent in Nebraska? <laughs> All right, you're way out there. Stop. Turn off your mic. No, just kidding. Uh, it's a fair question. I, I think, you know, listen to Thomas Fedoni, what he said about his choice of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. They grew up as Nebraska fans. When they won, he's excited. When they lost, he cried. He wasn't around in the 90s. So you got to find those people that still have the passion for the program. But first and foremost, you have to sell yourself. And we've seen that not just with local kids. It's out-of-state kids in 2019 class, 2020 class, the 16 that are in the 21 class. Um, they're selling Nebraska. They're selling the process. They're selling hope. And they're still selling the guy that is the head coach, that he's got the program headed in the right direction. So one thing that I think we've all talked about, you would have loved to have, and you may still have some semblance of a 20 season, is a lot of the roadblocks, excuses, whatever, that were in your way in the first two years, you've done a good job of eliminating them, and you want to see if they're going to come to fruition. But I think on the recruiting trail, they're still, they're still selling the process. They're still selling hope. They're still selling Scott Frost. And then hopefully, sooner than later, they'll be able to sell results and say, hey, we got this guy, top 50 national player, number one tight end. He came and chose us after we won nine games in two years, and we turned him into an NFL guy. And then that's where it starts the, the, you know, the, the hamster wheel starts turning, and you start benefiting from that. Sharpie, before we uh, say goodbye, and it was awesome chat, uh, uh, do you have a, a takeaway? What was your initial reaction with uh, the lawsuit that moved forward on Thursday? Well, just you ask the question, what is the Big Ten hiding? What don't they want you to know? Is it what they were looking at from a medical standpoint, a liability standpoint, a transparency thing really boggles our minds? And now I just feel like they're throwing out trial balloons on hey, if we're going to start around Thanksgiving, what do you feel about this? Hmm. Um, and they also may be throwing stuff out because they feel pressure. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't think the, the lawsuit's going to move forward. I don't think the Big Ten is going to budge. Uh, it's just, why are we in this situation, guys? This is a proud league. This brand has taken a major, major hit over the last three weeks. And I don't know how they recover it. I don't know how you sell the return of the field, whether it be in November or January, and have everybody on board. I mean, when you hear that coaches and athletic directors are talking to medical people, and some coaches say this meeting didn't happen yesterday, 
It has turned into a circus. This is the Big Ten. This is where we're at. This is really depressing. But Nebraska's going to push forward because I think Nebraska never got a sense of urgency that the season was in peril. If they would have, they would have reacted differently. And I think that's why you see the reaction from parents, from players, that they were caught completely off guard, and they just want to know why. And, you know, you would hope that there would be more programs in the conference that would be more vocal with them. But one thing we have seen, Ohio State and Nebraska have formed a little bit of a bond here during all of this. I'll be curious to see what the benefits of that are moving forward because Ohio State is the biggest brand in this league, and they have the most leverage of anybody. And now they have a, they have a partner with Nebraska. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse. Sharp, you have a good weekend, and we'll uh, we'll talk some more football next Saturday. Thanks for the time today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Gary. That'll do it for the weekend edition. Cranek, what do you got rolling? Uh, Jed, uh, I wasn't ready for that question. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm going to do something outside because it's not going to be terrible. How about you? Same. I'll do that. All right. We'll talk to you on Monday with Hale Varsity. Thanks.